Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. We are coming at you live from Manhattan and Brooklyn and South Carolina, the holy trinity of Progress After Dark. Uh, Thea Harper is our associate producer. She is running this thing, keeping this train on the tracks out there in Brooklyn. Chris Hauselt, our producer from the great state of South Carolina, and I come to you from New York City. We have a great one tonight. Ernest Owens, author of the very controversial and completely fascinating new book, The Case for Cancel Culture. Our good friend Max Burns comes in to discuss this curious week of political theater we've all just survived. And if you've liked any of our recent interviews like Ilhan Omar or Eugene Levy, I know it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to tell those two apart. Sometimes I, I have the same problem. We just had. Uh, Bo-Katan from The Mandalorian, Katie Sackhoff was on. Our, we recently re-aired our last interview with our good friend Lance Reddick. We just had Natasha Leon and Ryan Johnson. If you like any of those, please, just you can hear them anytime you want on Sirius XM On Demand, on the app, or on the John Fugelsang podcast. Most of them usually make their way there. We have a lot to get to. Today is the 100th birthday of Murray Hamilton. If you don't know that name, I'll just tell you he is the worst mayor in the history of Amity Island. And if he were alive today running Amity, he would blame all those deaths on a woke shark. Let's get to it. Let's do a show. Uh, I, it's been crazy. I got to have a feel-good Friday. Can we do that? Can, can we just try to do feel-good stories for, for just a little while? I mean, this week began with stories about Vladimir Putin's body double, and it's ending with stories about John Fetterman's body double. Have you seen those pictures? They're great. I, I just want to know what Melania Trump's body double thinks about all this, because that one's real. But this has been an insane week, and it's ending. Compl- I mean, Donald Trump in the last 48 hours has threatened law enforcement, disparaged even the thought of nonviolence. He called a black district attorney a Soros-owned animal. Nice. You got racism and the Jew thing in the same. Very good. Marjorie Taylor Greene is visiting these January 6th terrorists. Let me tell you the first bit of good news. Um... <laughs> Do you really think there's going to be a lot of violence over the Stormy Daniels case? Are there that many men left who are willing to risk prison to protect Donald Trump's right to pay off a porn star? You better defend it, Magus. If you you better prove your obedience. I'm telling all you, all all you Breitbart listeners, all of you micro penis Trumpers, if you are not out there on the front lines punching cops in the 
face to protest Donald Trump being held accountable for his own actions. If you aren't doing that, then you're not a real Trumper. Get out there. And and by the way, send him all your money. Again, I can't say this enough. If you really want to prove, Mr. Trump, that you are loyal, dip into your kid's college fund. Spend as much as you can. It owns the libs. And if you really want to own the libs, donate as much money possible to Trump University and the Trump Foundation. Ooh, ooh, we hate when you do that. But this is the beauty of it. This is the first feel-good story. What did we hear for ages? We heard, oh, the Democrats are going to get clobbered in 2022. And then the Republicans, believing that, acted horribly. And the Democrats didn't exactly get clobbered. They picked up a seat in the Senate. They were supposed to lose 90 seats in the House. They only lost a couple. So uh, look what we're seeing again right now. We've been hearing nonstop. Ooh, 2024, have you? Have you seen the Senate map? Have you seen it? Not good for Dems. Defending a lot of seats. Not good for Dems. Thank God we've got this Republican Party that is working so hard to get Democrats elected. I mean, I hope they run Herschel Walker again. Please run Herschel Walker against Ossoff. Please, please, please help us out. Now, you know, it it might seem kind of depressing to talk about the Republicans' uh, Parents' Bill of Rights Act, which should be called the Right Wing Parents' Bill of Rights Act. It's one of their great big pieces of nothing that they are selling as part of the culture war. Uh, It's completely safe for them. They get to pretend they're fighting so hard for people who are confused by shiny things, and yet they know it's safe because the bill's not going anywhere. Today, they passed it. One of their big early policy priorities, the Parents' Bill of Rights Act. It's going to give you parents more power over what's being taught in schools, because that's what you want, right? That's what that's what you want. You know, when you go to pick up your kid and you see some of those parents, you know, the ones you know, the ones you're like, whoa, I mean, good on you for for breeding, I guess. But you're how how do you dress yourself? You know, the parents. (laughs) It's a bill that's going to allow public school money to be siphoned out to go to private schools. We know what this is. It's the GOP policy playbook for decades. They are just trying to drain funds out of the public school so they can send children to private charter schools, which are completely in most cases theological will teach them evolution was a myth and lgbt is a phase you and then the public schools then the public schools become the shitty place where the poor kids go that's what the right wing parents bill of rights are Uh, all democrats voted against this legislation today 10 were absent but 208 voted against it 213 republicans voted for it imagine this their signature piece of early legislation when they were going to have the red wave 213 to 208, where it's going to go die in the Senate. That's the party of small government. By the way, five Republicans voted against it, including Matt Gates and Andy Biggs. You know, it's it's madness. It's a sanitized version of what they're already pushing. Just how do we intimidate school boards from the far right? How do we censor libraries? How do we censor teachers' lesson plans? It's It's rights for right-wingers. That's what it is. And the logic behind it is so cynical. The logic behind it is so nasty and shitty. It's like, hey, you know what? I I, I don't think I like how this water fountain tastes. Yeah, this public water fountain, I I don't think I like it. You know what I think? I think I want the taxpayer dollars that built this water fountain to buy me private bottled water. That's what it is. That's all it is. See, I have this quaint belief, and I invite our right-wing friends to call and discuss this, but I think Americans are great, and that's why Americans deserve the best public school system in the world. 
Imagine, imagine if we poured the funding and just up the teachers' salaries and made a national commitment to have the best public school system in the world. Wouldn't that be the best way to have a stronger economy tomorrow? We don't have that. We have frauds like the Parents' Bill of Rights because it's never about saving or helping the public schools. It's about abandoning the ship and only some kids get the lifeboats. You know what? I, I don't like the public playground in the city parks. I think I think the taxpayer should pay for me to join a private country club. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Here's House Speaker Kevin McCarthy speaking proudly of his right-wing white parents' Bill of Rights, which will die a painful death on the Senate floor like Caesar. The Republicans put out our commitment to America. And in our commitment to America, we said we were going to have a parents' Bill of Rights. This is exactly what we just passed on the floor today. We're keeping our commitment. It's just another check off on all what we said we would do. It's a bill that Julia Letlow actually introduced in the last Congress, moved forward to this Congress. And what's very interesting is that the Democrats thought it was too extreme. That the Democrats believed that parents shouldn't have a say in their kids' education and to actually know what the reading material is. Democrats believed that was extreme. Democrats didn't believe that uh, in this bill we say parents have a right to be heard, that they should be able to go to school board meetings and not be called terrorists, that they could have a say. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. Parents should have a right to know where their tax dollars are being spent in the schools, the budgets. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. In this bill, we protect the children's privacy. That the data can't be, be sent around, that parents should know what they do with it. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. <laughs> oh, oh. We thought parents should know if there's any violent activity on campus. Not just to your child, but to any, so you'll be warned. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. Oh, Today was a win out, for Kevin. every mother, every father, but most importantly, for every student in America. Okay, if you need to take a second to go and, you know regurgitate your dinner i'd come back just pause us we'll be waiting for you um no health care in that spiel about what we're doing for parents our parents bill of, no nothing about health care for children nothing about child care family leave access to college no here's what here's what they're offering we're going to pretend we're defunding the public schools we've convinced you are bad because we know it'll never pass and you'll forget all of this in a week and then you'll hate me again by mid-spring that's exactly what Kevin McCarthy really just said. This is like an early test of unity for him. So they'll fundraise off this. They'll say, we passed the Parents' Bill of Rights. We passed the Parents' Bill of Rights because they know it's never going to be a law. This is more culture war education issues. And it's a sign of how intellectually bankrupt the party is. They are doing nothing to help anyone. And they know it. It's going to the Senate graveyard. Democrats aren't even going to look at it. Meanwhile, Michigan... Michigan struck down the right to work law that the unions were fighting. This sort of thing never happens. It's a huge victory for organized labor. The first state in more than half a century to repeal a right to work law. And then, well, then can I give you my real feel good story of the week? Because it's it's special. Uh, This is in the beautiful state of Utah. And I'd I'd like to share it with you. Get comfy because I saved this one for last. There's a lot of feel good stories this week. But this one. ooh man. This is like porn for the angels. So, you know, last year, Utah passed this law banning any books with pornographic or indecent content. And generally, as we've learned, when right wing people are trying to limit access to any kind of book, it is almost exclusively a book about being black, brown or LGBTQ. 
right? I mean, pretty much. I mean, the, in their initial look, they had some things like Judy Bloom's Forever. Okay, yeah, that's going to really damage kids like it damaged us back in the 80s. Did you know a single child who didn't read Forever in the 80s? Or didn't hear another kid read it in the playground? Gender Queer by uh, Maya Kababe, 19 Minutes by Jody Bicol. Utah Parents United is this really conservative group. It's even conservative by Utah standards. I mean, it, oh, Utah Parents United. Let's just say there's not a lot of racial tension in the organization. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're pushing for more bans on books in schools, and it's overwhelmingly books with black people or queer or gender nonconforming people. So Utah is one of many states where libraries and teachers are dealing with these attacks from right-wing morons and, and who are just demanding that they ban tons. It's Florida. It's all over this. Teachers are risking going to jail if they don't cover or remove books until they're reviewed for their offensive content. And it's the same thing in Florida. It's just, oh, it's not white, male, straight? Bye. Now, here's how it works. In the beautiful state of Utah, parents submit books they don't like for review by the school district. And there's a lot of books under review. It can take as long as 60 days for one of these things to actually get reviewed by who knows the people who decide what ideas your child's allowed to be exposed to. They're so freaking afraid of facts. They're literally banning critical race theory. It's not called critical race fact. It's critical race theory. They're trying to ban ideas. That's how scared they are. Because it's all about 2045, when Caucasians become a minority in this country. And can I just say to all of you people, I'm whiter than any of you guys, Wu-Tang, and I'm okay with it. So anyway, Paris, submit the books. And in, in 2021, the DOJ and the U.S. Attorney's Office for Utah investigated the school districts for race discrimination in their schools, including serious and widespread racial harassment of black and Asian American students. And it, last year, the mother of a black ninth grader sued the school district for racial harassment by students on a daily basis. So they've got some problems with accusations of widespread racial harassment, and they decide to respond to this by making it easier for parents to ban books. Again, mostly about non-white people. So a Utah parent who shall be nameless is my hero of the week. You may have heard this, but a Utah parent filed one of these requests. And the book they sought to ban, you know the author, uh, it's Almighty God, and the book would be the Bible. A Utah parent filed a formal request to ban the Bible from schools as a way of calling out this law and using this law. Dozens of books were already removed from the library last year, but the parent wrote, get this porn out of our schools. The Salt Lake Tribune got a copy of one parent's petition for the book review of the Bible. On Tuesday night, they submitted a public records request for it. On March 9th, asking for an expedited response, they were told no. They finally put it out. The request says they need to ban the Bible from schools because of, and I quote, incest, onanism, bestiality, prostitution, gentle mutilation, fellatio, dildos, rape, and even infanticide. You'll find, no doubt, that the Bible under Utah Code ANN 76-10-1227 has no serious values for minors because it's pornographic by our new definition. Now, let's talk about the Song of Solomon. I mean, it's, it's great, especially if you're a guy who likes to eat the precious fruits of her garden. David and Bathsheba, I mean, pretty filthy. Samson and Delilah, you know, Noah... Noah got drunk and his son Ham saw his dick and they said that's why we have to have slavery. That's that's true. There's Lot, whose wife is destroyed 
for looking at Sodom and Gomorrah being crushed because a bunch of people tried to gang rape angels. And so Lot passes out and his two daughters rape him to get pregnant. It's a good book. Have you? A lot of these stories don't turn up in the Bible coloring books. Have you noticed? I thank the Utah legislature and Utah Parents United for making this bad faith process so much easier and way more efficient, the heroic parent wrote. I wish I could get this parrot on the air because I love it. And I love how it's written. Get this porn out of our schools. If the books that have been banned so far are any indication for way lesser offenses, this should be a slam dunk. (laughs) Now we can all ban books and you don't need to read them or be accurate about it. You don't even need to see the book. Forget the First Amendment. Forget education. (laughs) Just let it be white supremacist hate groups deciding what books other people's kids are allowed to know exist. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going to want to know your thoughts all night. Hey, Reverend Sandy's calling from L.A. Hey, Reverend. Hey, John. Um, I wanted to call about moral injury, which um, I was inspired to call you today because of your last caller last night. Was his name yes. Lou, the soldier that called Lou, in? Lou is a Marine. He broke, yes, he, yeah, yeah, broke my heart because... This is something we don't think about in this country when we start wars or send soldiers in or anything. We don't think about the moral injury that happens. A person could come back completely fine physically, but what they've seen, what they've experienced, and what they've done sets them apart. And I actually know soldiers who won't go back to their church because they are feeling like all the things they've done are so horrible God would never love them, and they can't be with all those nice people at church. They feel guilty. They can't sleep. It's PTSD in a different way. And I just, my heart went out to him, and I just thought he really, I really want, wish I could just help all the soldiers who come back with moral injury, because we teach our children not to kill. We teach our children, I hope we teach our children to be kind to each other and to care about, you know, the other and people that are different. And then just to send a young kid over to, to sh- I mean, and the, the guns they use just mutilate people. So it's yeah. horrific. So I mean, for, anyway, Sandy, for those, for those who don't, for those who don't know, last night, our, our final caller was a, a, one of our, one of our friends, Marine Corps Lou, and um, Lou had been out that night and he ran into a couple of vets at a, at a, at a bar and they'd been drinking and he'd had quite a bit. And the vets were discussing <laughs> stories of horrible things that they had done while they were overseas in George Bush's wars. And uh, he was in a state of uh, tremendous agitation and stress. And he called us up last night and we only had like five minutes left at the very end of the show. So um, I was honored he would call and share his pain and open up his experience with the listeners of this Mm -hmm. channel, because I think he picked the most empathetic audience and radio to do that with. But thank you, Sandy, for your kind words. Of course, of course. And if he's out there listening, um, I hope you know, Lou, that you are a person of value and worth. And you are more than what this country sent you to do. Right on. Thank you. Beautiful. Good night, John. Reverend Sandy, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Christian in Texas, hello and welcome. Yeah, after hearing that last call, I don't know how to I don't know how to follow that one. Well, um, let's just let's just go it moment by moment. Thank you for calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was just calling because um, you know, today is Friday. I'm just getting off of work, so I'm turning on my AXM radio, as I always do, and flipping through the channels, and all I hear is Trump, 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 Trump. I mean, it's just driving me crazy. I know Pick it. Up your phone, I know. Everything I know. with Trump popping up, you know? I'm I know like, it. okay, 
don't we currently have a president? And and and, and it, it's just like I I I can't take it anymore. I'm the with you. I know. Already, right at the old dirty tricks. I agree. Promoting Trump for free, promoting his friends for free, promoting Roger Sanchez. The worst people of all. Preach. When they interview the, any Democrat. They ask some questions, like side questions, like, um, how do you defend this when so many people are not covered? Instead of yeah. saying, thank you for getting so many people covered. And the Democrats sit there and answer the doggone question as if they always on defense and never, never speaking on their accomplishments. I know it. Now, what makes me crazy is when they just report about Trump like it's ordinary news, right? Like, like you know. Like, like I know uh, this is historic. I, I've been comparing this, Christian, to, to the O.J. Simpson murder trial a lot, because on the one hand, they, they, they just milked that thing for ratings. It was crass. It was ugly. At the same time, it was the most famous American in history to ever go on trial for murder. So there's a line somewhere. It's significant. And we're looking at the first U.S. president to ever be indicted. He's probably going to be indicted several times. So I know it's big news. My problem is when the media does this without putting any of it in context, when they report it like it's news and don't call out and don't single out the lies and the corruption, but just try to play it straight because they're hoping they'll get MAGA conservatives to watch. That's what makes me crazy. I'll talk about about it, but I will put it in context and I will talk about the crimes. I will talk about the hypocrisy. I will talk about the lies. Uh, and then I'll try to move on to something else like cool parents in Utah who are fucking with their banning books. But I, I'm right. with you. It makes me crazy. And I think it's going to be I think I'm, this is what 2023 is going to be. He's, he's going to be indicted yeah, multiple I, I, times. It's going to be more of this. I just feel like, you know, the world is coming to a place where people are like literally giving up their humanity. Yep. I mean, you know, the simple thought of caring about somebody else. I mean, think about it. The rest of the world is moving ahead of us. I know. We're not in, we're not investing in school to have our kids be smarter. We're taking away from the school. Where everybody else got their kids in school and investing in their children. We're not yeah. investing in the fine arts where you know, kids can grow up and become great actors and Correct. stage play writers and music, uh, uh, you know, music musicians and stuff like That's that. Right. We're taking the music out of the schools. I mean, yeah. it's just like we're going completely backwards in America, and no one seems. You know, I ain't gonna say no one, but yeah, I a lot of people like it's enough people taking it serious to see, hey. We are falling behind in everything, all because we rather be angry at each other and yep. hate each other over bullshit reasons rather than work with each other to help us grow and move forward so we can be better prepared for the future and hand our kids a more just, a more put-together uh, uh, nation. This is insane. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And again, we are groomed to hate each other. We're groomed to hate each other because of differences in ideology. I, I do think that a lot of us love people who think like us or look like us or dress like us. The challenge to us, the human challenge is how do you love people outside of your tribe? How do you love people who have points of view that are completely opposed to where you feel and you'll fight for what you believe in and you won't give an inch, but you're not going to hate the other guy. That's the struggle we have right now in this country. Correct. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I just, you know, if, if everybody is listening, everybody just needs to take a deep breath yeah. and really pay attention to what's going on right now. 
America is literally tearing itself apart. I heard a saying my grandfather was a vet, and he used to always tell me, America would never fall at the hands of a foreign enemy. America will fall at its own hands. He was it right. always fall within. He was right. And we are on the verge of that right now. We are tearing each other apart when we should be coming together. I mean, Trump, is, to me, it seems like he opened the door. Yeah. He gave yeah. them permission to ask yep. how they actually feel rather than in, 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 a, in a media is exploding it all over and they don't see they don't care about the consequences. Yeah, the media. Well, the media's bias. The the media's bias has to be for ratings, and the problem is poison is great for ratings. So it's a drug that we're all hooked up to, and you've got to be able to walk away from it. You got to because look to me, I think it's important to call this out, and it's part of my job, and it's part of why my show is on this channel now. We have to call it out. I have to cover it. But my mission here is to bring the talking points to show what's corrupt, what's dishonest, and again. I'm fighting for the people who hate me. I I don't want conservative people to get shot because some 20-year-old with emotional disorders was able to get an AR-15. I don't want them to be buried under student loan debt for decades. I don't want any conservative person to have to have a GoFundMe to pay for their surgery. I want them to have happy lives. The policies, I'll fight, but I'll fight because I care about those people, too. And Ray, I can tell you one thing, man, before I go. We really appreciate it. I, I mean, I'm telling you, out of all of this, sometimes I just turn on, turn on uh, XM, and I hear you speaking, and it's like a, a, a relief. Someone is like, you know what I'm saying? Someone yeah. sees it. Someone is trying to help. I, I, all I can say is. Keep doing what you're doing. You, you know, too, Christian. That's you. You inspire me. That's that's you too. You're going to spread love where you go. You know, we can fight against fascism and not hate the people who are being suckered by it. We have to. Correct. Sucks, sucks Correct. being the good guy. I'm trying. Christian, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. By the way, Thea Harper tells us Marine Corps Lou called. He went to the VA today. He's doing a lot better. We do have the best listeners here. Quick break. We will be right back. I am so excited to welcome Ernest Owens, our next guest, and to talk about, well, what cancel culture actually is. Don't go away. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. And welcome back to Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugel saying I am so pleased to welcome our next guest. What do we mean 
when we talk about cancel culture. What is the difference between cancel culture and consequence culture? I mean, we're at a time right now when we've seen a certain political party banning books that teach history, banning books that teach our differences, banning books that teach basic morality. We just saw a Florida principal fire this week because a middle school history class was allowed to see a photo of one of the most famous works of art in history, Michelangelo's David statue, which angry parents called pornography. And I love hearing about the evils of cancel culture from people who support the death penalty. I could talk about this all day, but I'm not the expert on it. Ernest Owens is an award-winning journalist and CEO of Ernest Media Empire. He's the editor-at-large for Philadelphia Magazine. He's president of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. He hosts the podcast, Earnestly Speaking. He is an openly gay black journalist who has made so many headlines for speaking fearlessly about race, LGBTQ issues, and pop culture. His new book is completely fascinating. It's The Case for Cancel Culture, which takes a very progressive lens as to what this actually is and how cancel culture is much older than any of us give it credit for. He frames cancel culture as a tool for activism and change. It's totally interesting, and it challenged a lot of my points of view. It's a pleasure to welcome Ernest Owens to SiriusXM. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks so much for just like... Reading the book, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm so excited to have you here, and I do have many many questions. Can I can I get the really dumb basic ones out of the way, please? I'll, let me get. Yeah, those. let's we, do we, it. Let's let we can cancel them as soon as I'm done asking. But you know, <laughs> I, I I mean I, I've heard you talk about this as a as a scapegoat term uh, by people who are trying to divorce accountability, and I think it's beautiful. How how do you define cancel? culture, this word that is relatively recent, but as a societal practice is actually quite ancient. Absolutely. So in my book, I define council culture as 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 a situation in which a person decides to cancel another person, place or thing that they find to be detrimental um, to their way of life. So Mm -hmm. it's very clear to understand that this isn't, you know, in my book, I have my own personal opinions of what is a good form of cancel culture or bad form. But really, cancel culture isn't a left wing or right wing thing, a conservative, progressive, older, young thing. Everybody cancels. okay? everybody cancels, Um, but not everything is being canceled. And I think that's important to note because, you know, some people think that cancel culture is everything everywhere all at once. And that's not the case. Um, Right. Cancel culture is essentially rooted based upon power. And I talk about this in my book, that this is really a power struggle, um, a David and Goliath um, type of dynamic, more so than a conservative, progressive type of fight. Um, You're right. This is a power dynamic. And the best example I use um, to clarify this difference between what is cancel culture, what is not, is that I believe that cancel culture is a tool. Um, it's a, it's an action. It's a way that people do something. And when you look at it more as a tool than an ideology, then you realize that it's a device that people use as a way to leverage to, against something that they find to be detrimental. Right. So takes place in the forms of protests and petitions and, you know, call outs online and different things of that nature. Um, it's not cyberbullying. It's not just simple, basic ad hominem attacks. There's something more sophisticated to it. And what is very important, because I see a lot of comedians and, and food critics and people talk about critics and people, to be very clear, I use this example. So let's say you go to McDonald's and you don't mm-hmm. like the hamburger there. Okay. You think the hamburger doesn't taste good and you're not going again. That's not cancel culture. 
Um, right. You saw a movie you didn't like and you thought it was not funny or wasn't great. Oh, you didn't go anymore. That's not you canceling the movie. You just didn't like it. Right. Right. But let's say, for example, hypothetically, you said, I don't want to go to this McDonald's anymore because they're not giving their workers a fair uh, wage. And so you're taking a stance against this because you don't support this because it hits it's your moral, ethical beliefs. That's yes. cancel culture. Um, you don't want to go see this movie because when the actors in the film has a history of making racist remarks. And so you're triggered by that. That's cancel culture. And right. throughout I my book, I talk about history. Um, and people recognize those difference with the Boston Tea Party, the civil rights movement and things like that, that that was cancel culture based on the sophisticality of it. I have so much to unpack from what you just said. I love this conversation because what drew me in the most was how you you do point out this is an issue of power, which in our country means it's an issue of class. You know, normally when we talk about cancel culture, it tends to be powerful figures, generally powerful male figures, but powerful figures who have done something to turn off the public and the market has decided they're done. But we don't really hear about cancel culture done by the powerful to non-millionaires because that's what the, the criminal justice system and the death penalty. But it is a power system and it's something that happens to people in power. Right. And the reality is, is that I took my book take a very radical stance by saying that you know, I don't believe that cancel culture, that everyday people are being canceled. And that shocked right. people. But I argue that it's it's not everyday people that's being canceled because for starters, you know, you have to have a certain level of power and influence to be canceled. You know, no one's, you know, when you really think about it, when everyday people, working class folks say they're canceled, I always have to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute, what caused your cancellation? Well, I said something at my job. You broke your job's code of conduct. Your job yeah. has a code of conduct and you violated it. Um, you Most likely before you start the job, you signed some type of contract and agreement that, you know, you're in an at-will state, you know, the law, right? That's not cancel culture. You broke the law. You broke the policy. You you knew what the rules were and you chose to do otherwise. That's not cancel culture. You're right. I'm looking at people like Harvey Weinstein, right? These people who are above the law. Like who holds the CEO of the company uh, accountable. Who holds the the head honcho, the, the 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 elected official that feels like they're above approach? Who holds those people accountable? The people do. And in those dynamics, when you look at some of the people from you know the beginning of time to now, this dynamic often were people who felt like they were untouchable or people that were who had a gross amount of power above everyday people. And so that prompted people to do things that were outside the norm to hold those people accountable. Everyday people do not require that level of accountability because we have laws that govern us and rules that do. And oftentimes it's the people in the white collar, you know, slots and the positions of power and wealth that typically need to be knocked down and rung when they decide that they are above, you know, approach, above accountability, above any critique. That's right. And so the culture steps in in that dynamic, whether they are progressive, liberal, in between, moderate. My book doesn't cherry pick on that. We talk about That's Andrew right. Cuomo. Talk about you know uh, Liz Cheney. We talk about Donald Trump. Like everyone is is in is is in, in that power dynamic shifted, whether it's politically yes. through entertainment or arts. Yeah, and and it's it, it's also so inconsistently applied. But you know, Me Too, as we discuss it, is a component of cancel culture. We look at these certain yes. men, and throughout Me Too, it was all men of power and privilege, celebrities and executives and CEOs and politicians, and the culture came around and just collectively started to say, 
you can be replaced. The market decided and we are beginning to see huge changes in our culture because more people in their office went to HR and talked about being groped at the Christmas party because more people started speaking out against this behavior. We're actually witnessing a complete change in what behavior people can get away with. I'm thrilled to be alive during it. But your book really puts it in a different focus because you could say the Montgomery bus boycott was cancel culture for the best of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, to be clear, it, it follows my same, you know, um, I call logical, you know, th- you know, theories that, you know, they didn't boycott the Montgomery buses because they felt like the buses were inadequate as um, car rides. Exactly. They boycotted it to go against the Jim Crow South. Uh, the Boston Tea Party, when people dumped, you know, tea down the Boston Harbor, they didn't do it because the tea was didn't taste good. They did it because they were taking <laughs> against, you know, British tyranny. And so there is something unique about that, right? You know, Jerry Falwell did not go against the Teletubbies because he thought that they were ugly. He went against the Teletubbies, especially Tinky Winky, because he thought that that character was promoting homosexuality, which he thought was going to, you know, be a harm towards children. It was a homophobic ideology, but yet and still it was council culture and it was a sophistication and his argument, right? These books are not being banned because the book covers are ugly or because they think the books are too old or damaged. They're being banned because these people believe that these these books are promoting ideologies about sexuality and race that 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 they're scared of and think is going to be a threat. Now whether or not I I don't personally believe that, but that's not my case to litigate. My case is to explain that everyone's doing it and that it's a form of democracy and I think that it's a way for people to exchange discourse. What I do have an issue with, and this is, I don't talk about this in the book directly, but personally, what I what I think is undemocratic is how you have seen the far right impede upon people's right to dissent while dissenting. And mm-hmm. that's me isn't fair. So you, you want to say, you know, free speech, America, democracy, but you, infringe upon other people's actual democracy, the right to vote, the right for people to have a fair election, right? You have your right to protest, but, you know, the the insurrection and attempt to cancel, you know, America technically or American democracy as we know it, that was a form of cancel culture that really went extreme. And it got to the point where it led to violence and civil unrest and, you know, the things that they hated about the Black Lives Matter protests. We didn't see an insurrection during those Black Lives Matter protests in 2020. But the irony is, is that they cherry pick which type of democracy they want to live in, one where authors, black authors and, and queer authors cannot publish books and put them in libraries but they're allowed to defend artists who make racial slurs and epithets. It's like, well, well, which one is it? Like, how is that? How is that not okay? They'll stand and defend, you know, country singers who say racial slurs like Morgan That's Wallen. Right. But then at the same time, they won't allow Colin Kaepernick to just simply take a knee. So Boom. it's double standard. It's well, that double standard that that really, you know, annoys me. 
Well, that that was the frustrating thing in Me Too as well, to see how e- unevenly it was applied. And some outrages, I guess, register better with the throng than others. But, you know, you, you make me right. think about someone that I, I know you've been asked about a lot. And, and a lot of this happened after you wrote your book. But but um, our friend Kanye West, wh- yes. what is what has made me so crazy for the past few months watching this is that if you've been following Kanye, he's been saying and I say this humbly as a as a as a white friend. He's been saying uh, just over the top offensive things against African American. The stuff right. he said about black women has been shameful to me. I have yes. been consistently shocked at the lack of outrage in major media culture at Kanye's mm-hmm. attacks on blackness. Yes. And it's not until he goes after another group that suddenly. The, the the cancellation process happens. His his Adidas didn't break his deal because of all the horrible things he said, trivializing slavery, trivializing Jim Crow, and just scorning black women. They they did it because of his anti semitism, which was horrible. But it was like, what selective outrage? Well, I talk about this in my book. You know, one of the chapters we didn't we didn't talk about this particular situation with Kanye. You know, if there's ever a book right. too. Wink. Um, a sequel per se. Wink, wink. Um, maybe you know, <laughs> there would be a conversation about um, Kanye part two. One of the things is that, you know, when writing this book, I had to put my own stopper, you know, because it was so much. You know, I didn't even get to talk about Will Smith. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock. I just had to eventually say, okay, there's going to be so much canceling that we just have to pick a stop. And, and once I did, I stuck there. But you know, with the first chapter, with one of the chapters in the book, when we talk, I call it Kanye part one, because now there's clearly Kanye part two, right? But at that yeah. time, I was talking about Kanye West's obsession with Donald Trump and how he made those comments. And in my book, I talked about, you know, when the chapters is called Not All Cancellations Are the Same. Correct. I dive really deeply into the double standards around council culture because people are doing it and counseling and people are imperfect. All of this is by imperfect people who don't necessarily keep that same energy. There's also intersectionality within race, identity, class and wealth and status that will um, determine the outcome of counseling. And I'll get to that in a minute about what I think is wrong with that system or why people should give it more grace. But for starters, you know, Chrisette Michelle, you know, performed, she's a, she's a, a Grammy award-winning black R&B woman who is a great singer and performer, but she made a decision that wasn't so popular. She performed the Trump inauguration. Her yeah. intentions were just to be a bridge at that time. That really didn't land well with her fans and the public. And essentially she was canceled. You know, however we feel about it, she was canceled in a way that really led to her mental health being impacted, her career completely tanked. She used to sell out stadiums. There was a Washington Post story that came out a couple of years after the incident that showed that her career had pretty much diminished. But meanwhile, you see people like Kanye West who get to have consistent, you know, conversations with with, with Trump and wear red hats and do yeah. all of these things. And and and, and you, you see, you know, Steve Harvey having a meeting with uh, Donald Trump. You see Lil Wayne, the rapper, you know, kind of aligning himself with Donald Trump and, and even getting pardoned. You see all of these things happen. And these people have been able to go back on stage, just sell out, you know, concerts, have their fame and not experience any of that. And largely it's because of the fact that these were men. These were more powerful men in their music industry. And there's a double standard around gender racial lines that impacted ways, impacted Chrisette Michelle in unfair ways compared to them, arguably. So 
Yeah. Well, and you you certainly distinguish between what is what is you know cancel culture and what is taste. You know, when when the market mm-hmm. decides. But in many cases, there, there's also a level that there's different gradations. I, I'm in the camp of saying that no one should have their entire life judged based on the worst thing they ever did. And you you point mm-hmm. out, you know, I don't know if you could actually say that Will Smith or Louis C.K. are canceled. They both suffered commercially, but they're both still making money. They're both still working. They're both going to continue to be gainfully employed and famous people, right? There's different levels of what we mean when we use that word, cancel. Agreed. And, I, and, and to be clear, yes, it's true. And sometimes people will argue, which I counter this, is that they'll say things like, oh, well, you know, th- that's why cancel culture isn't real because no one's canceled. It's like, well, it depends on how you define it, right? Because in my opinion, I don't look at this as an infinite permanent thing. Nothing's really an infinite permanent thing, to be honest, in society. Mm. I mean, Matt, Lau- Matt Lauer is permanent, trust me. <laughs> Matt Lauer well, is well, pretty permanent. Well, you know, well, Matt is, right? But it also, again, determine, it depends on the act itself. You're right. You're right. It depends on the institution itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it also depends on who's doing the canceling. And see, that's the part that I think people miss with who's doing the canceling. Like R. Kelly's canceled, right? Mute, yeah, mute R. Kelly was was a mass surprise. And I interviewed the co-founder, right? But but we also don't talk about who's doing the canceling, which determines it. That's in right. in both Louis C.K. and Will Smith's situation, the fans did not cancel them. The Academy canceled Will. Mm-hmm. His fans didn't. Right. In R. Kelly's case, the fans did. For Matt Lauer, the industry did. Mm-hmm. The industry and, didn't necessarily cancel Will Smith. Parts of the industry did. There is some right. blackball there. Sure. But you, you got to be there. Like even with, with Dave Chappelle, there is a segment of the population that rightfully so has canceled him. And but there is many of his fans that have, you know, if you like, I think about like Roseanne Barr. She yeah. got canceled prime time TV. ABC said enough. But mm-hmm. Fox Nation said, come over here and do a comedy special. So you you gotta be like even Morgan Wallen, in spite That's of right. all of his behavior, there was industry cancellation at certain parts, and he did not get a Grammy nomination from the Academy, even though his album was a, a top seller. But he did not get that Grammy nomination that people That's thought right. he might have gotten. There is some cancellation there, and I think that the reality to me is that there is a tarnish, that there is an impact, that Correct. now you know these individuals are going to carry some level of a scarlet letter. On, they're going to carry an F on their report card. Chris Brown is a textbook example. No matter how right. much Chris Brown tries to succeed and he sells albums, there's still an F on his report card. We're, we're still, and he continues to remind us of that and F, which is why the yeah. F didn't fade away. Well, the only thing more fascinating than who gets the chance to come back and have a shot at redemption is who gets a shot at redemption and didn't learn anything. Ernest Owens, what a great pleasure to have you. The book, again, is The Case for Cancel Culture. Follow him at Mr. Ernest Owens. Please come back anytime. I'd love to go deeper on your wonderful book. Thank you so much. I mean, there's definitely more to come, I can imagine. I appreciate it. I can't it. wait. We're hitting a hard break. We'll see you soon. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is SiriusXM Progress. 
Let's go to the phone. Some of y'all been waiting on hold for a very long time, and I thank you. Leroy is calling from the great state of Minnesota. Good evening. Welcome. Hey. Hey, what's up, brother? How are you doing? How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are uh, you? Yeah, I just want I'm doing actually I'm just I'm doing wonderful, man. And uh I just wanted to shout out to you. Uh like on, on Martin Luther King's birthday, I uh, I called out to my job, my union and said, I'm having work nights and I have mental health issues and I've been drinking too much and uh, you know, I'm just getting stressed out and depression, you know, stuff like that, you know, dealing with this mental health issue. And um, I listened to your show. I heard you say some stuff about that, speaking on it. But, uh, you know, I did what I did. I quit drinking, you know, boom, you know, dropped it like a bad habit. I had a problem. But uh, on my birthday, it, after Senator John Fetterman uh, yeah. used your show and you was chastising those idiots, and it, it was it was pissing me off. And it's yeah. like I didn't say anything. And so on my birthday post, after hearing your show talk about and how you were talking about the courage, I was posting on my Facebook page. I said, hey, you know, this first, this is something y'all ain't ever seen for a while. It's um, me celebrating my birthday sober. I said, on my wow. 15th birthday, I quit drinking. I have not been to the bar, gambling, drinking, or anything else uh, since then. Now it's been 97 days. But, and I said, I, and that's like, that's amazing, man, good for you. I said, you know, but that a lot of the, what I, the reason I came went public was because of your show. And oh, when God. you was talking about John Fetterman. No, oh. man, when you was, when you was, what it's Fetterman all did. you. Oh, yeah, but it's all you. No, you, no, no, you, no, 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 I ain't got, like, it was me, but, no, I said, but I went public. With oh, the right on. Post. Okay. Oh, wow. With me sharing it. No, man, come on, Man, you don't. I want your head. Don't need to swell that. No yeah, more. Yeah, thank baby. you very much. Okay, I'm not that good. I love this call. I have to ask you how how did your friends respond when you told them this news? Were they supportive of it? Were they were they happy about oh, it? Anybody yeah. freaked out by they it? I, they knew I wasn't happy. I was, you know, I was. No, I wasn't. I wasn't have much fun, you know. Uh, so yeah, most people, yeah, my true friends, yeah, of course they were happy for me. You know, that's great because you know I was. Well, you know, you self-medicating or whatever. I, I wasn't having a good time, but it was just the stress of the mental illness. But I think a lot of people go through that, especially men, and then we don't say nothing. And I wasn't saying anything about it. Then Fetterman did it, and and how he got attacked, and how you came out and how brave he was. And it's like, you know what, Leroy, you're a big soul, man. You should share this on your birthday and say, there ain't no shame to be reaching out when you need help. That's it. Right? And, uh, that's it. and I, I, think think that, about... I think a lot of that has helped me with dealing with it's like oh, the hardest thing crazy. i'm dealing with is trying to go to the gym every day that that that's just the hardest you know drinking i just that was no problem just stopped really i mean how's your energy level and your sleep since you've since you've gone two months good yeah good. It's, it's, it's 39 days yeah it's, it's, I've been, it's, that's not you know it was also the bars it was also the, you know, the gambling i was all anything that stimulating everything else that went with when you're doing stinking thinking drunk as hell yeah you know, i was drinking a lot so you know it's but i was but you know, wasn't really having much fun it doesn't you sound know? like it but wow i'm 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 just in awe of this i'm so th- i'm always inspired when someone can just you know when your body just tells you we're done when you know you're done and when you walk away from it and i i mean i think Fetterman showed incredible strength by going public. He could have said that he was addicted to painkillers and gone away for six weeks and nobody would have noticed. But there's so many men who are going to feel less stigmatized now because of this. And I'll bet you cash money. There's men in your life who are inspired by what you did. And at some oh, point, maybe yeah, you'll know yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, that, that's what Fetterman inspired me. You know, got to tell you, it's no, no reason to be walking around with, uh, you know, trying to self-medicate when there's, there's help out there. There's, there's no shame there of, uh, you know, be stressed out or whatever, man, to see a therapist, you know, whatever. Leroy, I love this call. 
I'm so glad. Yeah. So this is so great. Makes, yeah, it makes you better. I know my family's enjoying it. <laughs> you know, they you must know, be right. I'm a better father. You know, better friend. You know. So yeah. When, when was your birthday? You know, what, what day was your birthday? February twenty. February twenty fifth. Okay. Oh, right on. Okay. You and George Harrison. Yeah. Happy birthday. Right on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, this yeah, is the, was, this is yeah. great. This yeah, is great. Man, I was going to say, if next time you're in New York, drinks on me, but I can't say that. Uh, but I'm well, thrilled. You know, it, it just yeah, sounds yeah, like... They think not alcoholic or whatever. You know, there ain't no thing with a chicken wing, man. <laughs> Leroy, your call made my night. Thank you so much. Yeah, Don't be a stranger. Easy, Thank you. Yeah. Keep checking in. We're at 866-997-4748. Let me go to Sean in California. Hi, Sean. Thanks for your patience. Hey, brother. Well, I'll tell you what, that call made my night and uh, it, it just is so inspiring. And, um, you know, I, I, I am actually one of those guys that's one call away from a brother of mine, uh, retired military um, because of PTSD. And, um, you know, I'm not saying it's for everybody. I know you covered it on your show, but electro, uh, electromagnetic brain pulse um, yes. treatment. Fascinating. But now Fascinating I'm telling stuff. you, brother, I'm telling you, brother, they just had a new breakthrough with algorithms and uh, frequency matching. But I'm not going to go into that tonight because uh, I'll tell you about uh, my experience in the future. Um, not me personally, but my son. But anyway, okay. I, I'm just so inspired by that last caller because it's really wonderful. Um, you know, as long as you're trying and, and the caller last night, too, I heard that, too. Um, you know, that you are not giving up, you're not going to, you know, um, check out. And that's so important. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm 55. So I've had too many people, you know, leave here, uh, that shouldn't, you know, so, but, you know, I wanted to be a little bit more, you know, I hate Donald bin Laden. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to say, I don't hate many things, but I do hate him. But, okay. you know, I'm wondering why Marjorie Trader Green hasn't thanked, uh, you know, Joe Biden for unleashing the or deploying the uh, the rain machine satellite to blanket California with water, you know, <laughs> to counter the laser frickin beams. You know, yeah. so. But She's riding high right now. Listen, you have to understand right now is the best period of Marjorie Taylor Greene's life. And she doesn't really have the strength to keep on flying. And let's just say Lady Icarus is going to be a little too close to the sun. Uh, she does not have the character or the intellect or the conviction to actually follow through on anything. She is just a, an angry, loud voice from the comment section come to life. And, and you know, you can be a Fox News personality and try to be in Congress for a while. But I think eventually... Look, I, I hope no one realizes there's nothing there. I want her to stay in office and yeah. raise a lot of money for Democrats because she's just no. What I want, what I want is for her to have three ghosts visit her on Christmas Eve and she becomes a good person. <laughs> that's what I want. There, there. See, I'm being really positive. Well, because that's really who you are. I've been listening to you for so long, John. That's who you are. You are an exceptional person inside i mean i no, think no I no no too. no i'm not no 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 i'm not i'm not well, i'm not i just well, no i know well. for a fact i'm not good enough to hate anybody that's all i know i don't okay, i'm not well, so good well, that i get go. to hate somebody else okay well i guess i'm not that good because i do hate donald bin laden but here's the thing Please. extremists trump republicans who are you today klansmen knuckleheads and kooks kkk boom 
Boom. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I always say they thought they were going to have a coup, but they were cucks. They were, they were cucks of the coup, and that makes them the coup cucks clan. Thank you. I'm Boom. trademarking that one. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I love it, brother. Sean, so, thank well, you. When I'm, uh, yeah, cool. have a great weekend, and I wish everyone um, healing, and make sure to reach out to your friends more than a text. A message, a voice message is always better, in my opinion. I'm old, and I think people want to hear from you. You can help people, you know, get to the next day. So you're saying sending a text that just says sup isn't enough? I've got to, I've got to work harder than that? You can do that to me, but I don't have your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Right. Quick break. We'll be right back with more of your calls. And the great Max Burns. we got to talk about politics at some point. Don't go away. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. Let's go to our friend Max Burns, a Public Relations Society of America award-winning Democratic strategist, a terrific political columnist. You may have read his stuff in the Daily Beast or seen him on News Nation or NBC News. Max Burns, it's Friday. Welcome back. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being had. So in a week when we see high-ranking Republicans actually calling for civil unrest or a former reality show host uh, actually mocking the idea of nonviolence, how inspiring to have one of the youngest members of our Congress co-sponsor new legislation that could create this new office of gun violence prevention. It really does show you the, the difference in priorities here, that Republicans are not just not governing, they're, they're anti-governing. They're talking about, you know, destroying the extradition process and just exempting people they like from the justice system. Well, meanwhile, here's Maxwell Frost. He's 26. He's mm -hmm. of a generation whose entire youth has been shaped by their relationship to gun violence. And he's right. I mean, if you're a kid, you are much more likely to die from guns than anything else. I mean, forget drugs or alcohol or, or reckless driving. Gun violence is running circles around them. And the federal response so far uh, until Frost introduced this bill, has been, let's just charitably say, disappointing. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Now, I, I love it. And by the way, this is also uh, uh, Murphy's on this one. Chris Murphy and, and Blumenthal are, are behind this legislation. Is this more of just a, a ceremonial announcement saying we need to have an office to begin to have task force to a, maybe appoint committees to discuss what to do about it? Or do, are they actually talking about policy and how such an office would help to stem the tide of gun violence. I shudder to think of what would happen to one of these offices if Donald Trump got into office again. Well, the really exciting part for me is that Frost, you can always tell model UN kids, uh, came in <laughs> not, not just with an idea and saying, let's put this forward as a debate, but actually wrote out a whole proposal for how this department works. And it's it's stunning if you read it. I mean, it, it talks about gun violence in a way that we have rarely ever talked about it. I mean, as he points out, the responsibility for addressing gun violence is spread over, you know, a dozen different departments. And so yes. there is really nobody whose job it is to make sure we're making progress. And he's looking at this as a veterans issue because of veteran suicide by gun, as an education issue because of school shooting as a housing and urban development issue because of its relationship to violence in public housing, as a Department of Commerce issue because of interstate gun trafficking. I mean, he has thought more about this issue 
in the time he's been a congressman, just a couple of months, than many Democrats have their entire career. You're right. You're right. I mean, this is his first piece of legislation since he was elected to office. And it's so vital. And as he points out, this is the number right now. This is killing more children than disease or car crashes. And, and you know, it is interesting. They're not discussing it as a public health problem in this regard, right? They're sort of leaving that arena to other, I guess, medical professionals. This is more about how to have a government office devoted to reducing the level of violence. It's just just having this exist seems like something a sane, smart society would do. Yeah, I mean, this is largely about data gathering. And, and as he points out, there are huge gaps in our understanding of gun violence federally, in some cases because there were laws actively preventing the government from researching those questions. Uh, that's the long-reaching arm of the gun lobby right there. But yep. this this really does gather data and it, it makes it a priority. It makes it someone's specific job to ensure that we are proposing ideas to Congress for how to lower gun violence. That alone would be great. But this also does a lot in terms of helping states with their resources, doing public education, uh, working with congressional committees on legislation. It, mm -hmm. it gets a lot done in one office. It's really quite impressive legislation. Well, Max, let me ask you about that, because I'm going through the things in the plan and what they would want the office to do. And it's a lot of just common sense, simple things, coordinate gun violence prevention efforts across different federal agencies, make policy recommendations, educate the public about federal laws and regulations, uh, work to optimize uh, the national inst instant criminal background check system, report to Congress every year about gun violence in the U.S. I don't see anything here about taking anyone's guns away why do I suspect that is exactly what this office will be accused of? This is already what it has been accused of because there is no real argument against the specific policies. When you poll the policies, we've seen again and again, the majority of Americans support these policies. They are That's not it. crazy. You know, it's like promoting rules for standardizing what we consider the guidelines for safe gun storage is not you know, the, the deep state coming to take your guns. But this fight we're seeing sort of in miniature in Michigan, where the governor has an 11 bill gun safety package that's going through the, the legislature now. And it's simple stuff. It's gun safety and, you know, safe gun storage. Republicans in Michigan compared it to the Holocaust last week, had to apologize. Even some Republicans were stunned at how enraged they got and the language they used over these very simple gun mm -hmm. gun regulations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really inspiring, and I, I'd like to think that this has a chance of of going somewhere. But is it is it performative? Is there any chance of this ever actually being a federal government office? And and my fear again, Max, is if it was, the next Republican president will shut it down like it's you know I don't know the pandemic response team Obama left you. In this Congress, no. I mean, there's no realistic shot you're going to get any Republicans on board for this, which is sad because if you think back to 2007, because we're ancient, uh, when under President Bush, there was a moment where we almost passed universal background check. It used yeah. to be a fairly mainstream position. But now what, what Maxwell Frost has done that's so valuable is he's done all the hard work and all the thinking for all the other Democrats. He's given them hmm. here a completely functional framework. He's done all of the, the tough work of building out how it works. And now uh, this becomes, I think, the minimum 
bargaining point for progressives going forward. I hope so. I mean, let's see how it goes. It's it's smart no matter what. It's smart politics and it's it's smart morality. Um, can I can I can I bring it to more uh, unpleasant things than gun violence now? Um, because uh, it's been quite a week. And um, we learned today that Alvin Bragg's office has been sent an envelope uh, filled with white powder um, and the note that said, Alvin, I'm going to kill you. Now, uh, it was later deemed to be non-hazardous. So maybe Don Jr. just sent the wrong powder in the wrong envelope. I don't know. But um, when we see Donald Trump calling a black DA an animal who's owned by Soros, when I see someone who's threatening violence and being racist and anti-Semitic in the same sentence, Max, I don't want to be stuck in memories of Mueller, but it really seems like something's happening here. Well, it, Donald Trump is certainly cornered. I mean, he sort of set this expectation that he would be arrested this week, which is something, you know, it needs to be noted that prosecutors, the grand jury never communicated to Trump's team. As far as we can tell, he just made that up. He told uh, Alvin Bragg said he did. Alvin Bragg told Congress he made that up to fundraise. Yeah. And, and it was because we know that this is starting to wind down. And the paranoia, I think, is what's starting to crack Trump. As with any guilty party in a in an interrogation and watching the wheels turn, it, it starts to drive you a little crazy. I mean, we've seen it with others before. And mm -hmm. so he lashed out. He is he reserves, as usual, his most vitriolic language for women and minorities, especially Indeed. those in positions of power. Uh, but this is this is nothing short of calling for a riot while using the thinnest of legal loopholes to get around it by not specifically saying it. But when you I say mean, yeah. peaceful protest sucks, who needs it? Only idiots peacefully protest. You're making it pretty clear. Well, he also I mean, he posted early today on his shitty Russian money laundering website uh, um, warning of potential death and destruction. His words potential death and destruction if he is charged in this criminal case he wrote we already experienced death and destruction that's what other charges are about uh, does he know what jack smith is looking into i mean i i i'm just gobsmacked at the level of stupid that he would play footsie with violence in public on a social media uh, site while Jack Smith is going through two different massive crimes right now, one of which is potentially January 6th, the largest criminal conspiracy in U.S. history. The other one being, of course, uh, the document theft, which might be the biggest document theft in U.S. history. I, I think we should get ready, Max, to accept that it's not about the first ex-president to be indicted. This is only going to be the first indictment for this ex-president. Yeah, I mean, he's facing six cases of which... This one uh, in New York is honestly the least of his worries, and the this least. is how he has responded. Uh, I cannot imagine if a federal indictment comes down that that will, will go well. But I was at Trump Tower when uh, the day Trump made his announcement for protests. There were exactly three people when I was there. I think it peaked at five. Yep. When the, when the bracelets go on, uh, there's going to be people in the streets <laughs> for sure. Uh, the question is, are all the people who are willing to actually fight and cause violence for Trump already locked up because they did that on January 6th? Yeah. And that, that, at least for now, seems to be what I think is the case. Well, I think the January 6th people being in jail is a very good reminder that uh, there's probably not a lot of guys out there who are going to be willing to go to jail themselves to protect Donald Trump's right to bribe a porn star to lie about their sex. That's essentially what you'd be going to the mountain for. So, yeah, but... I have to ask you about this because 
everyone was saying, oh, nothing happened this week. Nothing happened. And all, all day I saw nice liberal people all over social media saying, oh, we thought it would be an indictment. Nothing happened. I mean, today, Max, may have been the worst day in Donald Trump's life in a very long time. Uh, when you look at the two big pieces of news today, number one of which that they're going to make Mark Meadows come and testify and Mark Meadows as Trump's former chief of staff is central to both crimes, both January 6th and the document theft. And then today, Trump's attorney clown, Evan Corcoran, had to go to the federal grand jury for Jack Smith's investigation about the stolen classified documents. Now, this was huge because I didn't know what a crime fraud exception was before today, but they're more or less forcing Donald Trump's attorney to come and testify against Trump to a grand jury the same day they say they're going to drag in Mark Meadows, who may have already cut a deal. I mean, am I overblowing this, Max? Today seems like a really significant day legally. There have been a ton of movements. I think the focus on the indictment is, I think a lot of people are just looking for that release, that sense that he's finally going to be held accountable. But mm. I mean, this is a very complex process. I mean, it is fair to say no one can appreciate the complexity of trying to in initiate a legal proceeding and arrest a former president. I understand that it should be as easy as arresting you or me, but the reality is, you know, he's surrounded by guys with guns. You have to think purposefully about it. Uh, but it's this has shown us a lot even without that. I mean, we've seen that it took very little for Donald Trump to call for death and destruction. Mm -hmm. And that is, has actually had some effect on the race. I mean, we've seen him start to alienate people a little bit more. And that's going to matter down the road, regardless yeah, of what happens. But you would agree, sir, it's not reflected in the polling yet. If anything, this feels like the week that Donald Trump became as close yet to finishing off Ron DeSantis. I mean, it's shocking the amount of vitriol. And now today they announced anyone who works on any campaign for Ron DeSantis will be persona non grata for a Trump campaign or a second Trump White House. They said anyone working on Ron DeSantis's book tour can never have a job in the next Trump White House. They are really trying to drain the swamp in a certain way. Well, I'm not I'm not sure they're entirely serious. I mean, if they ban all the people on his book tour, the White House is going to need at least one person who knows how to write. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure anyone left around Trump has that skill anymore if the legal filings are any indication. Oh, so did you see the statement? Did you did you see the statement Donald Trump released castigating Ron DeSantis for Florida's crime rate and rape rate and education and health care? I mean, Donald Trump, it looks like five years of Democratic Party opposition research. And Donald Trump posted it all this. Clearly, he didn't write it. There were no spelling errors. Punctuation was fine. But he's got I, I think Stephen Miller is, still has a, that, that gift of Satan's pen. No, it is it is shocking how Donald Trump is not having a great week. I mean, in just the last week, he's called Ron DeSantis a pedophile. He mm. said that that DeSantis is funded by George Soros. Uh, he's compared DeSantis to a Democrat, called him a MAGA traitor, and now has said that he's running a, a crime den that uh, kept people alive during COVID, which I guess is bad in Republican circles now. Uh, but mm -hmm. that he shut down Florida for a period uh, when when requested. And it's it's not the sign of a front runner who feels really confident in his position. <laughs> I mean, and, I and there's no there's no sign it's doing anything but elevating DeSantis in the media. 
maybe. I mean, you might be right about that. I kind of think DeSantis is just really, really counting on one of these investigations taking Trump out. And by DeSantis, I also mean almost the entire Republican Senate. They want this guy gone. But I, I, I have to ask you, you know, what does this say about Merrick Garland? We're watching so many people on the left castigate Merrick Garland and say nothing's happening, nothing's happening. It, it seems to me that Merrick Garland's special counsel just got Trump's own attorney to testify against Trump to a grand jury. pretty significant to me. Yeah, I mean, that is a massive, it's hard to overstate the importance of a court decision publicly saying that the president of the United States engaged in criminal conversations with his attorney, that his attorney at the behest of the president tried to cover up. And the court said, yeah, that's obvious. We looked at it. Of course he did proceed and question him. In any other world, with any other president, That would not just be the end of his current political career. It would be the end of any legacy. His his institute would shut down. His his library would be papered up. I mean, it's it's shocking that this has been so normalized, that this is a relatively minor revelation this week. I mean, we've been raised to think that attorney-client privilege is the sacrosanct thing, but we've learned now the courts rule attorney-client privilege is breached when there's the crime fraud exception. So now this guy is, who knows everything, who has notes. I mean, attorney-client privilege is not a license to commit crimes. And now Evan Corcoran arrives because Evan Corcoran presumably doesn't want to go through what Michael Cohen went through. And I don't think we're going to see another Donald Trump lawyer go to jail for anything after this. No, he's I mean, run I, out. Of, let's of thoughts and prayers that Rudy, but I still I think they're all going to throw this guy under the bus before they go to jail. No, he's he's certainly run out of loyalists who are really willing to go to bat for him. I mean, we've seen it in his very small, very quiet presidential campaign. We've seen it in in frankly his struggle to manage the Republican media like he used to. If you look at Fox News, if you look even at Newsmax, uh, covered his his call for protests. Uh, negatively, which is something mm-hmm. we've never seen before. And when the president, you know, expressed his frustration, Newsmax didn't see fit to mention it, which is uh, a shocking thing when you consider that Newsmax was pushing its anchors to swear loyalty pledges to the Republican Party oh, yeah. a year ago. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Well, and now on top of all of this, there's more because it is Feel Good Friday. We also learned today that the judge presiding over our friend E. Jean Carroll's lawsuits against Trump for rape and defamation has now taken um taken a legal precaution that you usually see in terrorism trials or mafia boss trials. This is Judge Lewis Kaplan. He just mandated that the jurors will have to remain anonymous. I have not seen this happen outside of the untouchables. They're going to make the Trump jury be completely anonymous. That's that's just, I mean, it's going to keep on getting worse. And on top of that, now Mark Meadows. I want to ask you about this because I, I a lot of people think that Mark Meadows has already made a deal with the feds to testify against Donald Trump. But Meadows is intimately connected to both January 6th. He turned over all those text messages to the committee and, of course, now to uh, Espionage Largo. It is interesting how strong uh, the the speculation has been around this. I feel like we would have heard something if that was the case, mm. especially something that explosive. And it really is, you know, Mark Meadows really is the guy at the center of all of this who escapes a lot of media conversation because he is just sort of a 
drab, ill-fitting suit Washington functionary. But as we've learned, it's those functionaries who helped Trump do some of his worst excesses and and most flagrantly violate the law. So the, the idea that he's still popping up at all, I think probably concerns Donald Trump. I can almost guarantee Trump has tried to have some contact with Meadows uh, as we've seen him try to influence other people involved. But it, it will yeah. be interesting to see the way that goes. I don't think Meadows so far has been been very cooperative and nothing that I've certainly heard has indicated that he's he's changed his mind at all. Oh, I, th- I, I think you're right. You know, and it's a, it, the hardest part, Max, is keeping track of all these different trials. There's the E. Jean Carroll case. There's Jack Smith's investigation about January 6th. There's Jack Smith's special counsel investigation about the documents that were stolen. There's Alvin Bragg's case about the porn star hush money payments. And then there's Fonnie Willis's case about his efforts to overturn the 2020. And, and you've got to keep track of so many characters. I was saying this morning on the Miller show, this is. I swear, this is like trying to keep track of all the Star Wars shows on Disney+. Plus. Wait, why is Baby Yoda back? Oh, that was on Boba Fett. I should have watched that. I've got to keep, follow 25 different storylines because these characters are popping up in all the different ones. What do you think Donald Trump is most worried about? And and do you think, do you think Max, he's not going to be able to get the nomination? Because I'm, I'm still thinking he can. Oh, he absolutely can. I mean, he will get the nomination from jail if he's still running. I'm certain of it. And and they will do that happily. Oh, I mean, you will beautiful. you will have people defend it with a straight face and, and they will act like you are crazy or passing any moral judgment on this person, because after oh, all, we're all sinners in the eyes of the Lord. So, you know, <laughs> not all of us have been to prison for, for trying to overthrow an election. But I, mm. I don't think he's especially worried about this New York case yet. I still think he personally has said he wants to be handcuffed and walk yeah. through the front door of the precinct. He wants the attention. And he it's wants because the he, photos to fundraise off of. Yeah. And he genuinely, I don't think, understands at least what the New York Times has said. He doesn't seem to appreciate the severity of many of these cases because he's been so insulated from them. He's been able to resist testifying. He's been able to delay these proceedings. Now everything's coming true at once, and it, it would be a bit much for anybody, much less someone with the limited capacities of Donald Trump. Yeah, I think he uh, if he really thinks that any kind of violence will help his cause long term, I think he's dumber than any of us could have possibly imagined. Max, it's a pleasure having you join us. Um, what's on your radar for the week to come and, and how can our listeners follow you and keep up with all your doings? So I am actually going to be following all of the same cases you are. Uh, I don't think anybody can look away from this. This is even more compelling than spy balloons because this actually has a meaning, <laughs> unlike what Republicans would like. It to. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same exact cases. And um, I don't know. It looks like Ron DeSantis is beginning to implode. His uh, lack of charisma seems to be catching up with him. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, wh- what is the best way for us to follow you, Mr. Burns? You can find me on Substack. It's maxburns.substack.com or on Twitter at TheMaxBurns. Thank you, Max. I always feel smarter after you visit our show. Have a great weekend. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugel saying peace.